This is Jim Sagnita, head coach of the PLL Whip Snakes, and you're listening to Solo Talk Talk. On Schreiber. Snyder with scores! Now it's Brett Cadell scores! Hands off for Ravel, switches hands and scores! Kylie O'Miller showing off those shifty skills. Right off the bat, there's Lyle Thompson! Welcome to Season 2 of the Pro Lacrosse Talk Podcast, the voice of Pro Lacrosse. I'm Hutton, he's Adam, and together we're bringing you interviews from all your favorite players and coaches, as well as news and analysis from all four professional lacrosse leagues. Alright, welcome to another episode of Pro Lacrosse Talk. Today we're joined by Pro Lacrosse Talk contributor Dan Newbert, whose focus is specifically on the betting realm. He also hosts Talk It Out on 830 WEEU in Pennsylvania. Uh, Dan, first off, welcome to the show. We appreciate you coming on. And how's it been this first week of, of betting, being able to bet on the PLL, bet on pro lacrosse for the first time? Uh, what are your thoughts so far? Uh, it has just been – I mean, we all love watching lacrosse. And then you now add getting to bet on top of it and make money off of watching lacrosse. I mean, that's just a beautiful thing right there. So first things first, I'm super excited to be with you guys. Um, it's crazy how I even ended up a member of the team of <laughs> social media. Uh, so I, I'm really excited to be here, of course. I'm really excited to hopefully have our listeners and our viewers here with Pro, Pro Lacrosse Talk, uh, you know, hopefully winning some money with us. I know, you know, I wish that we would have gotten started a little bit sooner, but, mm-hmm. you know, hey, there's still the playoffs to come. There's some money to be had. And also, I said to you before, Hutton, and I think people will probably learn this the more that, um, you know, they maybe check out the articles that I have. They see the tweets. They hear us on Pro Lacrosse Talk. I think that paying attention to really any sport, and I'm learning a lot about lacrosse too. I mean, I always love the game, but looking at it through the prism of sports betting, you just learn so many different things because you're not really looking at the teams and the mm-hmm. Matt Rambos and the Zed Williams. You're more looking at the numbers and how can these numbers tell a story more than what we see on the field. You couple what you see with the numbers with what you see on the field. And that's when you're going to be a very successful sport better. And people have been um, definitely hammering the books as they say <laughs> with, uh, with DraftKings Sportsbook, because I've noticed a hesitation on DraftKings side of posting lines sooner and sooner earlier in the week, because I'm sure that they have just had some lopsided action especially with some of these trends that we're going to get into on the podcast here today. No, absolutely. I mean, we've certainly enjoyed our little, you know, journey into it. It's a shame that it's only a two-week season. Um, and for people that don't know, our Pro Lacrosse Bets account that we started uh, has been run by Dan for the past week. So you may have not – this might be your first introduction to him, but you've probably seen his stuff already on our social media accounts, and we appreciate what he's doing with that. Um, but, yeah, no, I think it, it's exciting – to kind of, uh, you know, talk about. We're going to get into a little bit more of the trends a little bit later, but let's first start off with the seeding. Uh, you know, we're recording this right after the Whips have beaten uh, the Archers, and that was for the top seed. So the Whips are number one seed overall. They have a massive goal differential. Uh, it's absurd right now. They have a 24 goal differential. They blew, you know, the second seed and the Chrome out of the water. They have a positive five, and those are the only two teams that actually have a positive goal differential. It shows how close these games have actually been. You have the Chrome at the two seed. They're going to play the Chaos, who are the seventh seed. And you have the Archers at number three because of their negative goal differential at negative two. They're going to play the Atlas. And then you have the Redwoods playing the Water Dogs in that opening round. Uh, to start, me and Adam actually did a pretty good job predicting on our preview podcast. I predicted the Whips and the Archers were going to meet in the championship. That still is possible uh, if the Whips and the Archers both win. 
And then Adam, you had the Water Dogs and the Chrome. Water Dogs looking a little iffy right now, but the Chrome have been performing, I think, above people's expectations. And both sure. those teams could still make it. Um, so, Adam, give me a little bit of your thoughts on what you've seen from this first week heading into the playoffs. Yeah, we, we've seen some surprises, right, as well as some things we, we fully expected to happen. I'm really – and that kind of uh, goes hand-in-hand hand with that my pick for, for the championship game. You know, I think I picked the Water Dogs primarily because this was a sprint of a season, and uh, despite them not having too much time to gel, they have some fantastic players like the Zach Perriers on their squad um, to, to have some early success. They unfortunately were kind of this year's chrome, right? They, they were on the wrong end of some really close games early on, which found them uh, lower in the standings. But I'm really excited uh, specifically for that chrome squad. Um, that chrome back is absolutely uh, <laughs> coming to fruition, right? So um, we've, we've seen some great play. And uh, your squads in particular, uh, the Whips, they're dominating, showing why they are the reigning champs. And uh, the Archers just added to that arsenal on the offensive side. Uh, with Grant Amen as the number one pick. So the rich get richer, um, and some of those other teams have have some uh, games to play to figure out who's going to make it to the next round. Yeah, I know, and the, the whips have really exceeded my expectations. I knew, you know, Coach Stagnina gets that team ready to go. There's systems that in place I didn't think they'd miss a beat, really, with the new additions. I just didn't think they would dominate this much. A lot of that's due to, you know, face-off dot. Uh, Joe Nardella is dominating at the stripe. You know, I think his worst day was 70%, which is absurd. I, I think we're seeing history right now, and I don't even think we're realizing it. And, of course, Matt Rambo having a record-setting day against the Archers as well, which is no slouch of a defense. Um, but, I, you know, I, I know we're, you guys are Eagles fans. I'm a Ravens fan. That means we don't like the Patriots. But I really think it's kind of a, a parallel to you got Jim Stagnita, Bill Belichick here, you know, with his MVP and Matt Rambo. You know, obviously the Patriots now don't have Tom Brady anymore, but – I think it's a testament to what he's been able to accomplish, you know, adding new pieces like Zed Williams, who's obviously a talented pro already, you know, Brad Smith, um, you know, they add Max Tuttle too in a trade, but they lost a lot of offensive production and they haven't missed a beat at all. You know, they haven't lost in um, almost a year now. It's just absurd. I think what they've been able to accomplish in these four games and uh, they look scary going into the playoffs for sure. But Dan, what are t teams that you have seen? You know, we mentioned some of those teams. Any other teams that kind of stand out to you that you think could make me make a run at this? You know, the, every team makes the playoffs. So even the chaos at 0-4 have a chance at this championship. Well, first things first, aren't we talking lacrosse so we don't have to think about Bill Belichick? So uh, <laughs> we definitely want to try and stay away from those kind of analogies. No, I'm just messing with you. I think that was a great way to put it. But um. No, I think you guys hit on a lot right there. And really, for me, it's just the parity of the league stands out more than anything. Because even when you look at a team like the Chaos, who, you know, is two goals under, um, you know, how they're keeping up with other teams in this, all their games have still been close. You know, outside of to the, uh, the Chrome, who they're going to be facing up with, unfortunately, in the first round here, they were, you know, one-point games. I guess, you know, you look at the Whip Snakes, but the Whip Snakes, they're on a different planet. You can't really look at the way that the Whip Snakes are playing people and, and compare that to how the Atlas are playing people or even how the Redwoods are playing people because the Whip Snakes are just on another level. And I think you saw that in Sunday's game where, you know, the Archers, who you have to think is at least one of those teams who can hang with them, and you would think the Chrome, too. Those are our top three scoring teams. Um, but then the game was great. Everything was going well. It was a back and forth. And then the whips just turn it on and they change mm -hmm. everything and flip it around. And then you're in an absolute track race. 
So, you know, I think that has to be the team that you're talking about is the whips. But I also think, and maybe we'll get into this a little bit more once we get into the specific matchups, but while the water dogs come into now the uh, tournament whole part of this, they might be one and three, but they're a very interesting team to watch mm-hmm. because they have given everybody a game. And luckily, mm-hmm. I mean, I guess the one part that gets kind of stinks about that is we don't get to see the water dogs in action and see how they stack up, stack up against the whip snakes since we didn't get to see them face off against each other. Mm-hmm. But um, one thing that's a huge note is in their four games, they have only not covered one time and that was against the archers who they faced off against so if you've been a better who's just been blindly saying the water dogs cool new expansion team look at that logo i love big cat i love pmt i'm just gonna bet on the water dogs if you're doing it on the spread you're feeling pretty good so far so while they might not have had the success quite in the win-loss column. I think they've been way more competitive than maybe some of us, some of us expected them to be. Mm-hmm. But I also think that um, with that competitiveness, they've held leads in games that they've blown due to that inexperience, and they finally put it together and are heading in to the uh, playoffs with a little bit of momentum. So I think they might be a team to watch to get hot just because they're talented, and also they maybe have a chip on their shoulder if they get to play some of these teams that they lost a close game to hey, when this rolls around and we have this, the ball in our stick at the end of the game, let's not let this one slip away. So I think the Water Dogs, while they might be, um, you know, kind of looked over and glossed over, I think they're way more attractive than even a six-seed Atlas or a seven-seed Chaos, at least what I've seen from those teams so far in the, uh, in the championship series. I know I have to agree with you, you know, you mentioned that, you know, and I think they've got confidence now in getting that overtime win. I think that was huge for them, you know, with Zach Courier winning that, that game in overtime. On a, on a play that, honestly, I, I don't know why Josh Byrne, I get he's an attackman. I don't know why you leave Zach Courier wide open to go guard DiNapoli, who could have probably been covered by Fricaro anyway you know, on slow play. Um, that, that left me scratching my head, but that's how it went. And, you know, again, that's kind of the, the story of the chaos this season, a lot of mental mistakes, despite terrific goalie play by Blaze Reardon. Today, I also want to talk to you about Design Tree. On our Design Tree store, we have several t-shirt designs like the Pro Lacrosse Talk tee I'm wearing today, our Blast Lacrosse shirt, Cross's Medicine shirt, and many more designs on the way. Design Tree is also home to hundreds of other t-shirt designs in the realm of sports and pop culture. To help support the podcast, please consider checking out our Design Tree store at dsgntree.com backslash pro-lacrosse-talk and grab a shirt today. You mentioned some of the trends with, you know, that uh, Water Dogs covering three of their four games. They would have covered that fourth game against the Archers, too, if they didn't give up an empty net goal, you know, trying to win the game. Um, talk to me a little bit about some more of these betting trends. Oh, man. You know, my <laughs> favorite one, and if you've been following us on Pro Lacrosse Bets on Twitter, and if you're not and you like sports betting, you definitely should be. Um, you know the gifts that are my favorite are the ones that the train. And which train are we talking about? No, it's not Matt, Matt Rambo rolling people over. We're talking about the under train. That in 14 games, and guys, this is like unheard of. You have to look at like maybe the XFL or, or a league that is constantly going under. 11 and 3 through these 14 games on the under. So, you know, if you're uh, one of those people who always lives by, uh, you know, unfortunately, if you got turned on to lacrosse because of Big Cat, one of his big things that he says is life is too short to bet the under. Well, if life is too short, then we've had a lot of short lives here in the early (laughs) PFL season. 
because the under has been my absolute best friend. And it's gotten close a couple times, but you've also noticed, and I think an interesting kind of way to look at it is when these games first started, you were looking at lines that were around 28. I think we even had a line that was up to 29, you know, 29 and a half. Yep. And then now what you're seeing is if you, if it's going over 22 and a half, then you just see people start hammering that under just because of how formulaic that's been. And I'm wondering if you guys have any kind of perspective, because for me, I think one of the big reasons why you're seeing going under isn't because anything that has to do with the players or their level of skill. I think a huge factor is the fact that they are playing in the altitude in Utah, because if you actually do a comparison, you look at the Utah Jazz, they typically are a very good team at home, and that's for one reason and one reason only. When you're getting teams on back-to-backs where they have to go to that altitude and play, um, that is, I think, why I get that the lines were high, but I also think a lot of those unders were happening because these guys are still acclimating, and I think that is why, as we head into the playoffs, now you might look at that number and say, let's play blind unders, 11-3. and three. Now that the market has adjusted and you're seeing lower lines coming out for these totals, and you're also seeing these guys now getting acclimated to this kind of style of play, to the, you know, the, um, the altitude there in Utah, I would actually start being cautious and playing overs because these three overs that we've seen have been in the last few days of games. So I think there's a lot to that, and I get that part of that's the market adjusting, but I also think that's these players' bodies adjusting. But you can't talk trends without talking about that under trend because that is just unreal. I'm mean, 11 and three. Oh, it is. Keep that train rolling, baby. No, it, it is. And I, I think you brought up a good point about the altitude and the fact that they're playing on short rest. The heat has definitely been a factor. And now an important thing to know too is they're going to have at least a day in between games. You know, the, the whip snakes get, you know, rest all the way until the Thursday. Um, but these teams, you know, they have rest. Some of them have multiple days rest going into uh, Monday's game. I'm sorry, going into Tuesday's game. And then they're going to get another day of rest if they win that one. So I do think, you know, the fact that, you know, you had a a team that might have had to play a 930 game one day and then go and play a seven game the next day, you know, that was rare, but it still happened. I mean, that's definitely going to take a toll. And I think a lot of teams saw last year how big transition was for these teams. A team like the Chaos, who was driving uh, transition, I think a lot of teams really played that well this year. And I think that was what they went to take away. They said, you know, let's get – our personnel out there, let's limit, let's, as Joe Keegan likes to say, punt on fourth down where, you know, if the shot clock's winding down, let's get it to a corner, get our personnel on and limit these transition opportunities. And I think that's why you've seen the scoring go down a little bit. Cause obviously these defenses are talented enough to stop, you know, shots when playing six on six. Um, and, you know, even if you look at teams like the Redwoods that have somehow been able to, you know, thrive off the two point shot, you limit those and, it's even lower. So, um, yeah, I definitely agree with you on the altitude and the heat. And I think also it's a mix of these coaches just, you know, making decisions on, hey, we're not going to get beat in transition. We're going to try to let them beat us in six on six and making sure that they slow the game down a little bit. It's still a fast game. You still have a 52-second shot clock, but I think that's kind of played a part in it as well. Um, Adam, how about you? Do you have any thoughts on how the market's kind of adjusted, as we said, whereas – we were used to getting lines that were in the 28, 29, and now it's like it doesn't seem like anything gets over 21 and a half or 22 and a half. Yeah, absolutely. I was, to, to be honest with you, I think we've talked on, on previous Just Pro Lacrosse Talk pods how surprised I was at those lines coming into the series, especially when you look at – I know it's obviously a sprint of the season this year in comparison to PLL year one, but you saw single-digit 
games last year going on the over um, in terms of when you look at scoring uh, in last year's games compared uh, to the lines that were being put out this year. So hammering that under, I, I know Big Cat loves that that over, but like you said, Dan, um, it was the smart bet from day one to bet the under. So um, I, I do agree, though. I think going forward, uh, these are going to be high-scoring affairs and potentially hitting the over is going to be a smart play. So uh, it was interesting to see how Vegas really looked at these numbers because they didn't have much data to go off of. Mm -hmm. And then that data they're going off of is completely different. The variances are so different mm -hmm. from a sprint of a championship series comparative uh, to uh, a summer long uh, season. So, you know, definitely, it's going to definitely be interesting, but let's go into uh, let's kind of, we don't have the lines yet, but let's kind of predict these lines. I'll start with you, Dan. Our first game is the Chrome taking on the chaos. Uh, what do you think the this point spread's going to be? And then what do you think, you know, the over-under is going to be for this game? Yeah, I think, again, it gets tough. I think we'll probably start seeing the same ones around what we've been seeing. Uh, a lot of the time when these bookmakers are making their lines, they're really just looking at the same kind of information that we have available. Mm -hmm. And especially in a lacrosse league that doesn't have um, you know, all the NFL insiders and the MLB insiders who are putting out these insane spreadsheets of information. So I think that's how a lot of us betters have been able to kind of get over on the books is just because of the, the lack of information. But if you know what kind of information you're looking for, that's what's been helpful. Mm -hmm. But if we're trying to just, you know, pick lines, I think what we've seen every time is what they open at is around one and a half for the favorite. And it at least makes it easy on our end as we're trying to, you know, look out and decide what these lines will be because we have the seeding to look at. So obviously in this first game, the two seed Chrome is obviously going to be favored over the seven seed Chaos. Mm -hmm. Now, could the Chrome, because they are actually the league's number one scoring offense, get a line at a two and a half point favorite? We might see that. I would expect it to probably open at one and a half, see what the market does, see where the numbers are going. Um, and then we'll see if that gets shaded up. But if you do like the Chrome and they do open at one and a half, that's where you're going to want to be betting them at the spread because I only expect that number to climb. Because when you're looking at the chaos, this is a team who really just hasn't been able to figure it out. And they're very talented, which, which is why I kind of scratch my head looking at them and looking at the fact that in these four games – uh, only eight games per eight points per game is what they're averaging. And the team that they're facing against the Chrome is right around 12 and a half points per game averaging. So just at that fact alone, you have to think the Chrome will be favored. And just because of that low points per game for chaos, that's why I probably expect this over under to come around 21 and a half. And in this opening round, this may be one of the only ones that I might be looking to play under. But again, none of these things that I'm really saying without having the lines in front of me, seeing what the different juices or the VIG, you know, where if it's 110 or 121 way kind of gives you a story there. So anything that we're talking about here on the podcast that we're recording on a Sunday, none of these are official plays, but it's a good way to kind of get us start thinking as we're looking what to bet. So I would say around 21 and a half, and I would probably expect the Crone to be one and a half point favorites and probably going to be trending up, could get even to two and a half, maybe I doubt we'll see it go to three just because we haven't seen that much move on the spread, but I wouldn't be shocked if we saw two and a half. Yeah, no, I'm expecting maybe open up at one and a half and then go to two and a half, like you said. And that's also why it's important if you're betting and you're confident in the Chrome, you know, get that bet in early. You know, so far they've actually done a pretty good job now of, I feel like, sticking to their lines and putting out pretty confident lines. But early on, you know, you're getting chances where I believe there was one game 
Um, I forget what team, but they were, you know, one and a half point favorites ended up going up to two and a half point favorites. And uh, I think if you would have got in a little bit early there, you would have been set. So it's important to, you know, if you're confident, you know, move quickly uh, when it comes to the betting realm. And then Adam, for you, you know, let's go on to this next game, the Redwoods and the Water Dogs. Uh, where do you think we could see that line? Obviously, the Redwoods are probably going to be favored uh, since they ha are the higher seed and they have the better record. Um, do you think they'll, they'll stay at one and a half? Or do you think because of their two-point uh, threat that they might maybe jump up to a two and a half? I, I honestly, if any game, like Dan said, I think the Chrome are, are the game that that's going to potentially jump. But I foresee this one sticking around that one and a half just because of the up and down season for uh, this Redwood squad. The dogs are coming off uh, a great win and have played so many close games thus far. I don't foresee uh, this jumping too high. Uh, I'm, I'm expecting that one and a half start. And then, Dan, what do you think about this, uh, the over-under right now? Um, you know, so far these teams haven't played each other, so we don't really have any data to go off of. Um, but they've, all, they've each hovered around the 10-11 mark. Do you think we'll see another 21 and a half, 22 and a half maybe, uh, you know, over-under with this one? Yeah, I think that's probably what it's going to be checking in around. And that's really kind of been the standard since they kind of adjusted these lines. I would like to say I think Adam hit the nail on the head right there, just alluding to the fact that this one's going to stay pretty ironclad. It's also, you look at the seating and it's technically the closest matchup, yeah. four and five matchup. I think this is going to be a really good game, though. I think the Redwoods defense coupled with the Water Dogs ability to just go on these little runs is going to end up being a very fun game to watch. But how about the fact that uh, these teams are, you know, four and five seeds right next to each other. They both have an identical points per game, and that's 9.75 points per game. So this is a game that, you know, I would probably going to lean to the water dogs just because, as we talked about earlier in the podcast, that very attractive bet of having the water dogs plus one and a half. They've covered that nearly every game outside of their loss to the Archers. And that was, again, as you alluded to, just missing out by uh, just a hair on a game that ended up being an open gold net. So I think probably this one could be around 21, um, maybe 22. They like – I've started to notice uh, dropping it where they don't have that half point to play at because a lot of these games have actually landed on 22. And if they wouldn't have had 21 and a half or they didn't have 22 and a half, rather than having to pay out betters, they would have just been pushing with the betters and no harm, no foul. The books way much prefer a push than an actual loss where they have to start going into their back pocket. But that's not what we like as betters. We <laughs> like that half point to be our friend, not working against us. So that's a huge thing to look at. But no, I think um, I think he really hit the the nail on the head. I think his uh, his handicap on the game is pretty much just as good as mine would be, especially without having the lines. And I also think when you're looking to play on the spreads, a huge thing to look at too is the money line. And what does the money line say about the game? Because again, the money line is just telling you if you bet this, this is what you're going to win. It doesn't matter about how you're covering it. It doesn't matter about if you're pushing it. It is just who is the better team and who is going to win. And then you can kind of couple looking at those things, even if you're not going to bet the money line and you'd like having that spread to play with, that's, um, that's at least something worth looking for and where you can learn a lot about a game. And as we said at the beginning, a lot of the time you're looking at the numbers, not the specific teams. No, absolutely. And then that brings us to our final game, uh, Atlas Archers. Archers won 11 to 10 in their last meeting. Um, that was a very close game. The Atlas did cover the one and a half. It eventually jumped up to two and a half as well for the Archers. So they covered regardless. Um, but Dan, where do you see this game kind of falling in terms of the point spread 
Uh, you think it's going to be another one-and-a-half-point game, or do you think maybe the Archers still get that two-and-a-half-point edge? I think it'll probably, again, open one-and-a-half because, it, like, just how fresh this is, and I hate to sound yeah. like a broken record, but that's really what these books are doing is putting out things with a high VIG, seeing where the bets end up going, and then adjusting those lines because of how hammered they got earlier in these weeks, earlier in some of these matchups when the championship series really started. So, you know, it's not like we're just, you know, sitting back and, oh, it's going to be one and a half. It's going to be – that's really what we've seen. You know yeah. what I mean? So it's not just us kind of pushing it off and saying, well, we don't have the lines. We don't want to have any hot takes. It's really us to be just being analytical. Now, this one is one that I would expect to probably see the point total not coming in at that 21 and a half, probably coming in at 22. Reason being, we have another mirror image on the points per game, guys. We have the Archers at 11 points per game, which is actually kind of surprisingly low, which how you think, how we've perceived this offense. Uh, however, Atlas also comes into this game. People would probably say that Atlas have struggled because of their one and three record, but they also have an 11 points per game average. Um, again, those games that they've been losing have been close games, except for you guessed it when they play the whip snakes. And that was the game that they ended up losing by nine goals that really turned a lot of betters off to them, which is why actually a lot of people were able to get an edge when the Atlas was plus one and a half and was actually at plus money as well so I think you know you can never really count out the Atlas just because when the game's creator uh, or at least the league's creator <laughs> is on a team you have to bet that he's probably going to have his guys ready to play um, so I think the Archers rightfully should be favored in this game I think the Archers do end up winning this game however I think all three of these matchups were really spoiled I, I mean we've talked about it a little bit of the parody of this league and that's not to be overstated I, I mean you just look at the water dogs game where it took an eight goal or was it a nine goal run to end the yep. game in about eight minutes. Uh, and, and that can happen in lacrosse. And that's what makes betting lacrosse not only fun, but also very challenging. And I think what has made it very frustrating for the bookies because they haven't realized and been caught up to what we know as lacrosse fans for years is you can be down a dozen goals. If you have uh, eight or so, 10 or so minutes to play with, you're not out of that game. And I think the Atlas speak to that a lot, just like the water dogs do. So probably about a 22 and a half point total on this and the archers will be favorites. I would be surprised if the archers actually ticked up because a lot of people get that recency bias. They'll say, Oh, well, the archers just got pummeled by the whip snakes. Are they really that good? They are that good. And I think you're going to be able to get some value on them. Uh, maybe not on the spread, but definitely on the money line. No, absolutely. And it's interesting too. You mentioned the water dogs and the Atlas with regards, uh, you know, other than the whip snakes, they probably have, you know, two of the, the best face-off guys in, uh, you know, have Trevor Baptiste with the Atlas. And then you have, um, you know, Drew Simino and Jake Withers both have been doing really, really well. And their wing play has been phenomenal. You know, them at the, the stripe have been playing pretty solid, but it's also their wing play from Zach Curry and Ryland Reese that have done a tremendous job of getting them those ground balls and those possessions. So, again, can't really count either of those teams out, even if they're losing by a lot. Um, so I think that's great analysis, Dan. We appreciate it. Now let's go to make our final picks. Um, Adam, have your picks changed? Do you still think it's going to be uh, the Chrome over the Water Dogs in a championship, or are you going any different direction? I'm obviously hesitant to do it, but I'm going to push my chips in. This has been a <laughs> wild week, and the, I'm, I'm not losing anything, really. So I'm pushing my chips in. I'm staying Chrome Water Dogs, especially because how the seeding works, it absolutely can happen. Yep, no, uh, I'm going to stick with my guns, too, with uh, Archers over the Whipsnakes. Although, 
uh, you know, the whip snakes have looked as dominant as ever. Um, and I do think the archers could, you know, get a little tripped up with the Atlas. I don't, I don't foresee them losing. Um, but I don't think that's a gimme game at all by any stretch of the mind, at least some what we saw in that first game and just given these teams genetic makeup. Dan, we haven't really asked you who you think is going to win. Tell us who you think is going to be in this championship and who's your overall favorite to, to win this tournament straight up. Well, also, I love the stubbornness of the Eagles fan there showing. Right. He, he doesn't care what the stats are saying. He doesn't care what the seating's saying. He knows that the underdogs can always do it. So I love that out of Adam, <laughs> absolutely. Um, no, but I think if you're, if you're looking at this analytically, um, I think you would be kind of crazy to not go with the whips and archers. I mean, I think it's, it's tough to argue that um, while the whips may be pulled away at the end against the archers, that was one of the best quality lacrosse games that we saw all year long. I mean, that was just so much talent on that field. So I think just with the, the talent they have, both of them so well coached, um, whips are definitely a lock for me. And then it gets a little bit tougher because I would like to say the archers, but I just think because of the parity that we've seen, and also these aren't three-game series. So sometimes it's not the best team who wins. It's just the best team on that day who wins. So if any of these guys catch fire, you think about a Redwoods who's been there before. You think about even the Water Dogs who have been in every single game that they've pretty much played. Um, I guess if I had to pick one, I would stick with you. I would say the Whips and the Archers, and I would say the Whips are going to be the championship uh, team that ends up taking this thing home just based off of their absolute ability to just will themselves to win games. Like, they can be in an absolute heavyweight fight, like what we'll see in a couple months with Mike Tyson and Roy Jones Jr., and then they'll just decide, you know what, forget it. I'm Matt Rambo. I'm going to take over this game. I'm going to make sure that I get seven assists somehow and end up winning this game. So I think the whips will end up taking it. It'll probably be over the archers, but I would, um, you know, anybody who placed any future bets on really any of the teams, I don't think there's anyone who's really out of it mm -hmm. other than unfortunately um, I would say probably the chaos has been the most unfortunately underachieving team, but also that's just kind of how lacrosse goes. Sometimes, you know, a ball bounces one way, a call goes one way. And mm. that's why you see the chaos sitting in zero and four. I don't think it has anything to do with the talent, the way that they're coached at all. I think they just had some really bad beats. So, um, you know, really it's such a, a politician answer. Nobody's out of it, folks. <laughs> yeah. It's going to be a fun one. But, uh, but that really is the reality of what we've been seeing through the PLL championship series. And I think that's what makes it so fun and so special. No, absolutely. And, you know, it's a shame too, with the chaos, you know, it, you, you hopefully didn't bet them at uh, plus 400. Their odds now I think are at plus 1000. Yeah. So maybe if you, you're still confident, maybe you, you bet on them now in future odds. Those are pretty good odds that you could uh, get some money in return. But like you said, no one is out of it. Um, you know, and I, I know I'm picking Archer's whips, but I really do like this Chrome team. I think Tim Sudan has some unfinished business with these former Rattlers. Uh, I think they are a determined bunch. And, you know, I, I'm hoping we get a rematch of Chrome Archers in that second round uh, if they take care of business. So we'll, we'll see. It's definitely going to be exciting. Dan, we appreciate you jumping on, talking sports betting. We're, you know, hopefully going to grow our betting space a little bit more, not only, you know, during this championship series, but in the offseason as well. Um, you know, the NLL is coming up uh, pretty soon, too. They're going to have sports betting, if it's to believe. You know, that's what they announced last year. So we're excited for that as well. But uh, thank you, Dan, for, for joining us on Pro Lacrosse Talk. Oh, happy to be with you guys and want to let people know, you can drop me a follow there on Twitter. It's at Newbie Talks, N-E-U-B-Y Talks. I'm giving out analysis all the time, and you can tweet at me questions. 
Um, you know, always down to talk lacrosse with people. That's actually how I'm on this podcast because Hutton and I just got randomly chirping at each other on Twitter. <laughs> so definitely reach out to us again, Pro Lacrosse Bets on Twitter as well. But I'm happy to be with you guys. And, uh, you know, I won't make Adam join me in the whole fight song and I'll let the Ravens <laughs> Hutton join as well. I'll just close by saying go birds. And go thanks birds. for me be on, buddy. No, absolutely. We enjoyed having you on. We hope you guys enjoyed this episode and hope you enjoy this uh, championship series. We're certainly looking forward to it. Uh, thank you guys for tuning in. And we hope you tune in next time to Pro Lacrosse Talk. Today, I also want to talk to you about our affiliate, Lacrosse Jewelry. Lacrosse Jewelry features a diverse line of lacrosse-inspired rings, necklaces, and bracelets, so you can show your lacrosse pride and style both on and off the field. Better yet, we've teamed up with Lacrosse Jewelry to provide you with a special discount. Simply visit laxjewelry.com and use the code PROLACROSSE to save 10% on your order today.